Warning. This podcast contains violent depictions, which some listeners may find disturbing. Dango nodded to a sergeant beside him, and they began pounding their chest with their spears in time with each other. They sang the war song, gathering their power for the battle ahead. Tendrils of fog developed in the intervening space between the army and the wall, growing thicker by the second. Dango sensed the inflowing of power as each man summoned his mana. The servant concentrated even harder, and the fog thickened. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Slackerverse Tales. Each episode, we feature an original fantasy or science fiction story from The Slackerverse. I'm your host, Mark Jefferson. Today, we cover a story that takes place six years before my third book, Overseer's Silence, during the epic battle for the city of Han. The story is named A Call to Arms and shows how a single tragic event can reshape your life in terrible ways. Dango is about 30 years old during these events. I produced everything you hear in this podcast at the Slacker Studios. The only thing I didn't create was the music and sound effects. Special shout out to Pixabay.com and all the wonderful contributors on that site. Pixabay offers royalty-free photos, illustrations, vectors, videos, GIFs, audio, and sound effects. I use their website and think they offer an excellent product. Check them out at pixabay.com. That's P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com. Okay, on to the story. May I present Overseer, A Call to Arms by Mark Jefferson. Dango stood near a burned-out foam stone house, watching the giant 100-foot wall protecting the city of On. Its defenders had repelled several attacks, most notably his brother's disastrous initial assault. Dango hadn't found his way past their defenses yet. He rubbed his chin, regarding the soot covering his boots. The entire area stank like burned garbage. Kengo, his brother, stood beside him. We must get through that wall. Last week was embarrassing. We lost over a thousand men. They did not have one casualty. Kengo didn't acknowledge his own responsibility for the initial attack. Dango nodded. He glanced at his older brother. Dango was a lieutenant in the Imperator Guard, a prestigious position equal to his rank as the Imperator's son. He outranked his older brother, a fact not lost on anyone. Kengo was the same height, but broader in the chest. Both had dark complexions similar to their father and were lieutenants. But the similarities ended there. Dango folded his arms, studying the wall. The servant has returned. He will find a way through it. A junior guard Dango did not recognize ran up to them, stopping and standing at stiff attention, waiting to be acknowledged. Kengo eyed the man. What do you want? Sir, this message is for Lieutenant Dango. Kengo's face clouded over, but Dango patted the messenger's arm and gave him a nod. Be at ease, Sergeant. What is your message? Sir, The Lord's servant commands your presence. Dango nodded, turning his gaze towards his brother. Duty calls. 
He turned on his heel and followed the beleaguered sergeant to a large, distant tent far from the front lines. Many soldiers from different armies milled outside, each with different armor and apparel, but united in destroying on. Several functionaries entered and left the tent, nodding to Dango in acknowledgement. Dango entered the tent, locking eyes with an elegant woman. Her hairless scalp and enormous eyes drew his attention, and he smiled. Dango nodded to the woman, and she smiled back. She was Lingo, his wife of two years. He hadn't always loved Lingo, but now his whole life revolved around her. After this trip, he decided it was time to discuss starting a family. Dango's eyes fell on a tall, hairless man in the center of the maelstrom. At first sight, he wasn't imposing, but there was a powerful aura surrounding him, and he made Dango quake whenever he approached him. The servant turned, as if sensing Dango. Lieutenant, I am placing you in command of my attacking forces. Tonight, the wall will fall, and we invade the city. Dango nodded, expecting the appointment. He had the best strategic mind of anyone present. Unlike his brother, who had botched the first assault, Dango planned and saw things others missed. He stood at his full sight. Yes, my lord. The servant waved away his attendants. The attack begins at sunbreak. I will create a thick fog and you will marshal your troops. The fog will mask our movements. When the wall falls, you will attack with everything that you have. Dango nodded. The servant cocked his head, watching Dango. Paladins protect the city. Dango's eyes widened, but he betrayed no other emotion. Your war song will not prevail against them. You must kill them from a distance. Propel rocks and aim for their heads, or shoot their legs. Issue crossbows to those who cannot shoot. Dango blinked. Men feared paladins throughout the world, and this city had many paladins. How was he to overcome them? The servant studied him. Do not fear, Lieutenant. Paladins are terrifying, but the city only has five or six hundred of them. You will overcome them with overwhelming force. Dango snapped to attention. Yes, my lord. I will begin at once. Dango marched from the room, glancing at his wife. She was bent over a stack of parchment, discussing something with another functionary. She didn't notice him leave. He spent the rest of the afternoon assembling his troops, instructing them how to handle the paladins. Do not bother trying to penetrate the armor. Always shoot for the head. Sun dimming came, and the servant stood in front of the army with his hands raised. He closed his eyes, concentrating. Dango nodded to a sergeant beside him, and they began pounding their chest with their spears in time with each other. They sang the war song, gathering their power for the battle ahead. Tendrils of fog developed in the intervening space between the army and the wall, growing thicker by the second. Dango sensed the inflowing of power as each man summoned his mana. The servant concentrated even harder, and the fog thickened. 
Dangle saw sweat form on his forehead, something he had never seen before. As one, the army stopped pounding their chest, and silence loomed. The fog grew thick, and Dango couldn't see a thing. The servant turned back to Dango. Move your troops forward. I will create a hole in the wall, and you will unleash hell on this city. Dango noticed the servant held two packages, one in each hand. The servant turned from him and rose into the air, disappearing into the mists. He turned to his sergeant. Move the troops forward. The sergeant turned to his aides and nodded. The aides sprinted to a spot on the line. Move! The man's voice echoed throughout the line, repeated by his aides. Out! They began the long march to the city wall. Dango judged they had covered two-thirds of the distance, and two enormous explosions erupted, causing his men to stop in their tracks. The fog lit up with an orange glow, and small pieces of debris pelted them. Attack! Dango bellowed, brushing towards the wall. A great cry followed him, and the army broke into a run. The fog evaporated. The center of the wall, near the great portcullis, had collapsed. A dozen bald men guarded the breach, and his troops clashed with them. They phased in and out of existence, moving too fast to see, and his men died. Sparks shot everywhere as the bald men struck, and piles of bodies built up around them. Aim for the heads! Aim for the heads! Dango raised his gloved fist and sang a brief spell. A smooth stone rocketed from his hand. He concentrated, and the stone struck a bald man in his forehead, blowing brains and bone shards through the hole that erupted from the back of his skull. The man dropped. His men cheered, seeing a paladin defeated for the first time. Several men around him took aim and fired on the paladins. Many men fell in the onslaught, but no paladins remained standing to defend the gap. Dango surveyed the destruction. Hundreds of his own men lay twisted and still. The paladins were indeed terrifying, but the servant had pointed out their weakness. Dango meant to kill every one of them. His men divided into squads, burning the city and killing anyone they found. Several pockets of fighting developed, but the paladins, outmanned a thousand to one, died. During the night, the servant found him. You have done well, Lieutenant. Your captain has fallen. I appoint you the acting captain. When we return, I will make it official. Congratulations, Captain Dango. The servant left, followed by his aides. Later, Dango and his squad patrolled the destroyed section of the city, looking for an escaped paladin. The servant had warned him about this one, and wanted him dead. He set guards and had his men lead the paladin to this location via a pincher trap. The trap set, Dango had his men lay in wait. An hour later, Dango spotted the paladin. He phased in and out of reality and walked with a limp. Dango launched a rock at the man, blowing his whistle for all he was worth. The man looked up, and the rock 
reverse direction straight for him. He dived away, but too late. The rock struck him in the stomach. He went down. The last thing he remembered was his men rushing in to confront the intruder, and everything fell dark. Dango blinked awake, the morning sun glaring in his eyes. Smoke drifted everywhere. Acrid fog covered everything. He turned over and groaned. His stomach was on fire. Dango eased himself into a sitting position and saw his entire squad dead around him with no sign of the paladin. Dango felt something sticky on his head and found dried blood encrusting his ears. He used the surrounding rubble to help him to his feet and limped for the main gate. He had to get himself healed before he died from his gut wound. Dango made it two blocks before he collapsed. Not long after, a paladin found him. Too tired to stand, he tried to raise his arm and fire a stone, but he had no stones. His arm dropped, and he prepared to die. The woman approached, her hands held in a defensive posture. Your servant is dead. You have lost the war. I do not wish to fight you, only to send you home. Dango laughed at her. I will heal you if you let me. The woman, skinnier than any woman he had ever seen, watched him. Dango nodded, too exhausted to do anything else. The woman kneeled beside him, lifting his shirt and planting her hand on his oozing wound. She mumbled something under her breath while brushing his wounds with her fingers. Sparks shot out over the wound, and Dango felt better. This continued for several passes. The woman sat up, looking at him. Then she spit on him. Dango stiffened, unable to move anything but his eyes. You are bound for arbitration. Stricture 601 states a prisoner of war may be bound to protect the captor. You will obey my commands until I release you. Do you understand? Dango felt his jaw loosen. Yes. Rise and follow me. Dango stood. His side still ached, but it was the healing ache of an old wound. The searing pain in his gut had vanished. The woman turned, and Dango followed her. They traveled many blocks, heading toward the city wall. Bodies littered the streets, getting more dense as they reached the edge of the city. Dango thought of his wife, wondering if she suffered the same humiliating treatment as him. They passed the city walls, and dead bodies lay everywhere. The two crossed the destroyed wastelands of what had once been the outer city, and Dango wrenched to a stop. No! He felt something rip in his mind, and he controlled his body again. He rushed to a dead woman, naked and almost torn in half. No, 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 no! Dango sank to his knees beside her, and wailed. The paladin spun, dropping into a crouch, but stopped when she saw Dango kneeling beside the dead woman. He drew the body, his wife, into his lap and sobbed. Unable to form any words, he looked at the paladin. I cursed this city. From sunbreak to sundimming, I cursed the very ground it sits upon. 
I cursed the Most High for letting her die. Dangle bowed his head and his shoulders shook. Tears dripped from his face onto the dead woman's body, and he swore in his heart he would never go to war again. I hope you enjoyed Overseer, A Call to Arms. I wrote it after writing the first draft of my third book, Overseer Silence. The story you heard ends on a dark note. I needed to show why Dango spiraled out of control and why his parents were so disappointed in him. Dango had such promise as a young man. He was full of intelligence and compassion. Everyone under his command loved him and would have followed him to the gates of hell if he chose to lead them there. After the events in this story, he quit his position as captain of the Imperator Guard, becomes an administrator, and sinks into loneliness, despair, and alcohol. During Overseer's silence, Dangle's journey to recovery and happiness becomes more poignant when you understand where he came from. Meeting the Arbitrator's silence is the catalyst that starts his journey, but he has a long way to go. After I wrote the first draft of Overseer's silence, something was missing. Dangle's character arc needed context, so I dusted off an old story I had already written, changed it to fit Dangle's situation, and made it the prologue. I referred to arbitrators as paladins, but that's what his city called arbitrators before the Battle of On. After the events in this story, everyone in the world referred to them as arbitrators. By the way, the arbitrator Dango meets near the end of the story is not silence. This magic system is unique to the Overseer universe. Everyone can use magic in this setting. Magic is neither good nor evil. It's a natural force. All individuals, regardless of ability, can cast spells starting at a young age. They collect their magic power, known as mana, and store it every day in crystal rings they wear. They use this mana to cast spells, and for money as well. Dangle uses magic, but has no exceptional skill at it. I spent many months crafting the Overseer universe, and I hope it shows in the finished product. I've had several comments from readers that magic seems like a natural extension of the Overseer world. That wasn't by accident. I have about 70 pages of notes I created before I even started writing the first book. It was tedious work, but I'm glad I did it now. I refer to these notes often when writing an overseer story, and they have saved my bacon several times. There is nothing worse than inconsistencies in your world building. I assure you, readers will notice. Writing has always been a passion of mine, and I've written several books. You can find me on Amazon.com. Just look up Mark Jefferson Overseer. Select a book, and then click on my name in the author section. You can view all my published books on that page. If you like this story, try reading my novels. I think you'll enjoy them. I've written many short stories that take place in this and other settings, and I may feature some of them in upcoming podcasts. Some of these stories are in my published books as prologues or epilogues, while others are unpublished. Either way, I hope you'll enjoy them all. Some stories I've written use different and novel magic systems. In the Overseer universe, magic permeates everything and all people use it. In other stories, magic is science-based and only those trained can use it. One story I'm working on has magic in the water, and users store its power in silver and gold rings. The world is a mountain that floats on a sea of clouds, and metal is rare. It's just a sample of what's coming. Our next podcast follows Tranquil a character in the third Overseer book. Tranquil is a bit odd, and while she has a heart of gold, she rubs people the wrong way. Her greatest desire is for a husband, but all the men in her city fear her. 
an impromptu meeting with the honored matron silence could change all that, if she can only get out of her own way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening to The Slackerverse Tales. This is your host, Mark Jefferson, signing off. Cheers, everyone. Slackerverse.